Kids Church. God bless you. You're ready to go. And as our kids are going away, I'll invite Eldon up. Um, this morning we get a good treat from Eldon this morning, and I'm excited to hear what God has laid in his heart and what um, God has laid in the hearts of the people that will serve with him this morning. Should I pray for you, Eldon, before we go? Please. Lord, we thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you that your word is true. It never changes. We thank you that you have brought Eldon up here to share with us today and to encourage us and to rebuke and to teach. Lord, I pray that you'd use him for your glory. May each and every one of us, as we go out here, would say, surely the presence of the Lord has been here. So we give you praise and we honor you. I pray that you strengthen him and you give him words to say. And Lord, that you would um, tie his tongue to your heaven. Amen. That is, he speaks, he might speak as the oracles of heaven. It is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Simpson. I appreciate the opportunity to share it this morning. My name is Eldon Clausen. For those who don't know you, I'm just one of the Broadway family here. I've been for a long time. Well, this morning we're going to do something a little different than our normal sermon time, our message time. Um, we're going to hear from some of our Broadway family members, family members who have walked with the Lord for many years. Uh, when I was asked to, to take a Sunday while Ryan was gone, I I just really felt the Lord say, let's do this. And uh, so after that, after they share, we're going to take a, a look at the topic of knowing God as well. But before we do that, let's go back in time a bit. <clears throat> uh, this week I was talking to Bob Yauberg. Bob Yauberg was the man that God used to start this congregation, Broadway Christian Church, with his wife Marilyn in 1974. And Broadway, uh, uh, Bob told me that this building, this room that we're sitting in right now, was dedicated in 1871. That was the front, that was the entryway, the, later it was remodeled with the balcony and all. This building was dedicated to worship and the glory of the Lord in 1871 on June 11th. Today is June 11th. 152 years ago, this building was dedicated to God. The beauty of the stained glass windows, I'm sure, warm our hearts every time we come in and we, we look at them and admire them and are thankful for them. And as far as we know, many of these stained glass windows were here as part of the original building. Have you noticed how many of the stained glass windows have names on them? Uh, Jen and I have been here a part of this fellowship for 37 years. And I have to admit, sadly, that I have rarely looked at those names. <laughs> I've just kind of taken them for granted. But recently, I wanted to take a, a personal tour of the windows. So in honor of God, who worked in the lives of those people, and in appreciation for the faith that Paul and Annie led us to sing about today, those in the past. I want to read those names. Mr. and Mrs. Anspaugh, Pastor A.L. and C.L. Mabin. It's that window right up there, and it says, Pastor from 1879 to 1882. Ida Fairfield, Andrew and Mary McCurdy, W.M. and G.A. Burns, C.W. and C.F. Maxwell, Dr. Jasons, James and Phoebe Pierce, W.L. Pettit, Overdale and Frank Pierce, Frank Hartman, H.B. and Ida Hunt, Nellie Schrader, Mr. and Mrs. Jesse Dahlman, Lyle Mabel Furness, Faith Meisel, F. and P.A. Grumman, Dr. and Mrs. McCurdy, Robert and A.E. Spice. Who were these people? What did this church mean to them? What was their faith like? My guess is that some, if not all of these people, loved God and knew him and loved to worship in this place like we do. 
they and many others built this building, which we love so much today, and in which we gather every week to worship Jesus, to hear his word, to practice the one another's, and to extend his kingdom. So we've been going through a series on one another's uh, this summer, and today we're going to hear from six of our people. These people have been members of Broadway Church family for many decades, but more importantly, they have walked with God for many decades. I've asked them to share how they have experienced God's in their life, and more specifically, how has the nature and some aspect of the nature and character of God impacted their lives. So let's hear how God's presence and power in their lives have molded them and taught them to walk with God. The first person we're going to hear from is Rachel Mohan. Rachel didn't want to be up front this morning, and in fact, Rachel's back in the prayer room with the intercessors. But this is what she wrote. In my walk with God through life, what it is about who he is has strongly impacted or changed me. What about who he is has strongly impacted or changed me? It is his love followed closely by grace, mercy, faithfulness, forgiveness because of Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior. How can he love me, be so faithful to me, though I have been so unfaithful and unloving, downright selfish, is awesome and amazing. I have professed to be a Christian, raised and loved by Christian parents. Through them, God's provisions for me were abundant. Then I left home, going into the big city of Fort Wayne, big to me coming from a little farming community, to attend college. It was at this time the story of the prodigal daughter begins. Some wrong decisions were made on my part that sent me down the path of unrighteousness. But God kept loving me faithfully. I kept believing, but not acting like it. And my parents kept praying and trusting God. He kept drawing me back to him little by little. I started attending North Highlands Church of Christ, where Pastor Yauberg and his family showed me love, grace, and mercy. More blessings came my way as God introduced me to my dear husband, Jim Mohan. I thank God for 32 years of marriage and a faithful and beautiful little girl named Shannon, now a mother of five boys. Yes, indeed, Shannon, husband David, and sons are a great joy in my life. God's love gave Jim to me. Jim was an elder here for a number of years before his death. His mercy, God's mercy and grace got me through his death. A brain tumor took his life within five months of a diagnosis. It was so sad, yet merciful. God's love and strength was ever-present. In the past 12 years since Jim's death, God has continued to watch over me. I know he is always with me. I tend to misplace things a lot. When that happens, I ask Jesus to show me where they are, and it isn't long before I find them. When something has to take, be taken care of around my house or the car needs work done, I pray to God or talk to Jesus. I remember the scripture, pray without ceasing. I need to talk to God about everything all the time. I'm so grateful for the close friends that are in my life. We share one another's burdens, joys, and fellowship. Thank you, Judy and Linda. One of my favorite scriptures is Colossians 1, 10 to 14. Live a life worthy of the Lord, pleasing in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience, and joyfully giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Again, God's love is amazing and awesome. The peace he gives is more than I can comprehend. To stay in his word and never stop believing and trusting God will lead you down the path of righteousness. That unrighteous path is no way to go. Just ask me. I can testify. The next one to share is John Geiger. John, would you come, please? Thank you, for give, uh, thank you for giving me this opportunity. I'm John Geiger. Uh, I'm an agronomist, international agronomist, a truck driver, a farmer, and uh, sometimes it looks as though my life is haphazard. But uh, 
I think you'll find that we all feel haphazard sometimes. Um, I was in the Peace Corps for, uh, since in 70 to 1972 in Brazil. I worked with uh, high school students, teaching them, trying to help them improve agricultural things. Uh, I was somewhat of a humanist in my approach and thinking that science could solve the problems, but I found out that uh, problems without the Lord's benefit in helping are not very successful. And uh, Spencer gave an illustration about life a couple Sundays ago, and I have something I wanted to say to him. Uh, there was an author one time, Dr. Ross, that wrote us a, a book, and one of the things he said in the book was, truth exists and truth does not change. And when truth exists and does not change, that leads you to Christ. And uh, <clears throat> my interest is in plant nutrition and children nutrition. And I've worked on diligently trying to improve children's uh, diets, but it hasn't really made much of an impact. And I always wonder, well, why? But as I grow older, I'm beginning to understand his purpose of, of the things that's going on. Uh, the, one of the things that really impressed me, though, was life. When God started the creation, everything was on devoted towards life. Plant life, human life, animal life. And then Christ came, and he had us to, to have abundant life. And then we also, he teaches us to have life, and we learn, and he prepares us for eternal life. And one of the things that I was trying to come up with was how do I put all this in my 75 years of life? I was a, a converted at a church camp when I was a young person. So, yes, I had some sins in my life that were not, that were very sick. But one of the things that I wanted to share with you was really my life started out as a miracle. When I was four, I uh, was out in a shed with my family, my, my two sisters and myself and dad. And we were, I wanted to climb up into a shed. And he said, go ahead. And my sisters and I was up there. And, you know, when you're a kid, you're snooping around. And I happened to fall. And I hit a plow when I was falling. I can still remember looking up and seeing my sisters screaming. And, I, and all of this, you know, just in fractions of a time, I could see my sisters. And I looked over and I saw my dad drop his saw. And the next thing, I, I, I hit the plow on a mole board and I slid right between them. Now a mole board on a plow is, is about a half inch thick and it sticks up this way. And it comes in a curve. Well, I happened to hit the curve right in between it. And on the other side of it is a big support to hold them together. And I hit this and uh, next time I remember I was, I, had, I was in dad's arms and I woke up and I was walking, we was going underneath the, the uh, door of the shed. The next, and, uh, but when I could, uh, it was almost like a dream when I was seeing this. And then when I was going toward the hospital, my sisters was in the back seat with me and they were crying and I was, I said something to them, said, well, I'm not gonna die. But you know, I don't remember even crying. I don't even remember having any pain. But one of the things that I remembered that kind of touched me, my grandma Geiger and I were pretty special together. And uh, she went and said to me, when I started to school, she said to uh, my mother, I'm just glad he can learn. Well, isn't that our objective? Is, aren't we to learn about God and Christ? That's what we're here for. 
to make an impact. Life is important. And I think that's one of the reasons why I am such an advocate on life, because God created us for life. And that's what we strive for. But it looks sometimes pretty discouraging. Don't give up hope. He loves us. He takes care of us. And he is life, hope, faith, and truth. Truth will not, truth exists, and truth does not change. Thank you, John. Ruth? Ruth Small? Good morning, everybody. Uh, I'm so happy to, to uh, share my story. I love the last song that we sang t today. The first verse saying that a story of his amazing grace. So I'm going to share mine with you. And as I'm sharing, I ask that you remember this is all about God. While I was in high school... At age 15, I committed sexual sin that changed my whole view of myself and my relationship with God, who I saw as a punishing God, not a loving, merciful God. I knew I had done wrong and did not believe that God could ever forgive me. I attended Mass, but felt so guilty and dirty and afraid because of my sin. So I ran away from him instead of asking for his forgiveness. For the next 25 years, I continued living a sin-filled life, still always feeling extremely unworthy of any relationship with God. My life spiraled, resulting in a failed marriage and 17 years as sole responsibility for my two children whom I did not parent well. At age 40, God brought believers of Jesus Christ into my life who introduced me to a loving and forgiving God. This began my journey back to God. Then, in the early morning of August 1st, 1985, at age 43, as I walked downstairs in my home, I clearly heard a whisper in my mind, I love you. I immediately knew without a doubt that this was the Lord speaking to me. I gave my life to Christ, and he changed my life and eventually my children's lives forever. In looking back, one of the things that I recognize is that although I had separated myself from God, he did not separate himself from me. Because during those years, God protected my children and me, through my making many wrong choices, a disastrous spousal abuse marriage, divorce, being both mother and father, which is impossible, and the sole provider for two children. After 17 years of singleness, the Lord generously gave me his choice for my second husband, Tom, and my children are following followers of Christ, and they have raised their children in the Lord. And I want to add that um, Tom and I had almost 25 years of marriage, and my joy for him is that I know that he is in heaven with the Lord because he has a story also that brought him to the Lord. And... Um, I just rejoiced when he died that I knew he was in heaven. That's the greatest joy that you can have is when you know your spouse is in heaven with the Lord. God continues to show his nature and character by being faithful is he who calls you, and he will also bring it to pass. And that is from 1 Thessalonians 5.24. If we confess our sins, 
He is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And that is 1 John 1, 9. And then, but you, O Lord, are a God merciful and gracious slow to anger remember the 25 years he was waiting patient and abundant in loving kindness and truth that is from psalm 86:15 and in closing this is my message directly to you i implore you that if you are trapped by any sin that you are fearful of bringing to the lord Please run to him. Do not run away from him because he is waiting there with his arms wide open to embrace you. Thank you. Uh, the next, thank you, Ruth. Isn't that amazing? God's grace transforming power. Tim Payton. Thanks, Eldon. Good morning. My name is uh, Tim Payton. I'm otherwise known as Sandy pa as the husband of Sandy Payton. <laughs> and I don't think she's here right now, so I can say pretty much what I want. <laughs> yeah. I'd like to start out by uh, saying, um, you know, I can't believe that Ryan and Simps get up here every Sunday and, and give a sermon. It takes a lot of uh, bravery, to, or it takes me a lot of bravery to step up here and talk. So uh, very, imp very impressive with those guys. And the second thing I'd like to say before I start is, and you've already heard this before, but we do have a softball game Tuesday night. <laughs> softball game is at 810, and there's actually a double header. So you can, you know, if you can't get there at 915 for the second one. And dinner beforehand at 6. So thank you, Lee and the uh, mob. Thank you for that. All right. Um, I was saved when I was 13. I had uh, been to a summer camp. Uh, my father was a pastor, and he was probably uh, uh, working the, the summer camp, either as the dean or as a teacher. And um, I came to Christ during the summer camp and, camp and came home and was baptized. And I remember clearly that Sunday morning walking away from church to our house, was, which was right beside the church. Um, but I was like walking on air. I know I wasn't. I was on the ground, but it felt like I was walking on air uh, to have the burdens of my sin of a 13-year-old uh, let go. So I want to talk today about uh, God's faithfulness. In my second favorite book of the Bible, 2 Timothy, in chapter 2, verse 13, Paul states, if we are faithless, he is faithful, for he cannot deny himself. I got to admit, that just kind of cracks me up, that God is faithful because he can't help it. He can't deny himself. So I want to tell you about one way he has been faithful to me. Before Sandy and I were married, I told her as far as children was concerned, I wanted two blonde-haired little girls. She told me she wanted 12 children. <laughs> After asking her several times to marry me, she finally agreed to, she finally agreed to marry me anyway, even though I was kind of stuck on two. Soon after we were married, Psalm 127 was brought to my attention. Psalm 127 is one of the 15 Psalms known as a song of ascents. These songs may have been sung uh, while ascending to Jerusalem for the various festivals that the Jewish people had. Here's Psalm 127. Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It is vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of an anxious toil, for he gives to his beloved sleep. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb of a ward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. He shall not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies in the gate. Before this time, I had not really thought of children as a reward. 
specifically a reward from God. We decided to allow God to give us as large a reward as he saw fit. This decision to allow God to give us his full reward changed our lives forever. God did give us 12 children, though we lost three before birth. God has always faithfully provided for us in large ways and small. He has provided friends who give us children's clothing over the years. He has provided work for me to allow to provide for my family. At least once he's provided tires from a brother-in-law that had no idea we needed tires. He's protected our family's health. Don't get the wrong idea. Having made this decision didn't make us perfect parents. It hasn't all been perfect. We've left children behind leaving church. <laughs> We've made it all the way to Columbia City at once and realized we didn't have one of our sons with us. We've had struggles as parents. We've made some poor decisions. We've had arguments with our teenagers. Turns out I'm not the guy to come to about purchasing a car. <laughs> not all of our children are currently believers. However, we continue to pray for their hearts to turn towards God. God has continued to prove himself faithful to us over almost 40 years and has given us a great reward. Our oldest six children were boys with our seventh child being our first daughter. The eighth child was another son, while the last and final child being our second girl. God has faithfully provided his reward as he promised. And yes, both girls are blonde. Thank you, Tim. Karen, thanks for God's faithfulness to Tim and Sandy and their family as they've trusted him and walked with him. Karen Swinehart. My parents had four children, and we often left my brother, the one just under me, at church asleep on a pew. So I know what you're saying, Tim. I'm Karen Swinehart, wife. It'll be 59 years next month. <laughs> <laughs> Mother of two, of two grand people. <laughs> Isn't it great when you like your adult children? <laughs> Grandmother, great-grandmother, she's a month and a half old now, <laughs> a retired teacher, a retired minister's wife, a people lover, and a Christ follower. I gave my life and heart to Jesus when I was seven years old. A missionary from Africa, I have no idea what country she was in there. All I know about her is that she said it was not deepest, darkest, darkest Africa. <laughs> She'd come to our church for a series of meetings, and she introduced us to the idea that there were so many children in Africa who needed love, God's love. And I realized as a seven-year-old that I needed God's love too. And I, I remember going to the front. It was a Baptist church, and we came to the front then. <laughs> and and telling this missionary lady that I wanted to be one of God's people forever, and I had a heart that belonged to him. I've been learning about God's love for me all the years since, and that's a long time. I won't tell you how many years. <laughs> Psalm 26.3 says, Your steadfast love is before my eyes, and I walk in faithfulness to you. God's love sets me free to live and grow and rejoice from my heart. It's an indescribable love that fills me with peace and carries me into his presence. It's love that will never die or weaken. His love will carry me into eternity with him. I'm thankful for his faithfulness. In, in This is Love, from 1 John 4, 10 to 12, not that we loved God, but that he loved us 
and sent his son for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love has been perfected in us. Love. Love dominates God's story. He called me as a little girl to learn to love as he loves me. He's poured his presence and love into me. But sometimes, well, I'm afraid often, I'm not very loving. Not very loving at all, in fact. Forty-four years in the classroom can bring out the beast in anyone. <laughs> like the young woman in my early childhood education class at Ivy Tech who loudly and angrily presented antagonistic thoughts and attitudes constantly and finally admitted that the only way she could make it through the class period was to come high on drugs and alcohol. I was distraught and angry with her, and I actually said, Lord, I don't love her. I want her out of my class. But the Lord grabbed me and shook me a little and taught me to pray before each class session that her soul would be calmed and that I, he would lead me to a real authentic love for her. Over coffee one afternoon, in a cafe, she poured out her fear and her life anger. I felt God's leading to assure her of my love for her and of God's unfailing love for her. She told me she'd been sitting on the sidewalk outside of one of the great churches here in Fort Wayne each day trying to work up the nerve to go in. Together we called the pastor there and made arrangements for her to go to begin meeting with him. I realized as she walked away that God had given me a remarkable and very real love for her, one that I didn't want at all in the beginning. <laughs> it's calming and a great comfort to call on his strength. It's good to know his love, that he loves me, and he will direct my path faithfully, in spite of my basic desire to do my own thing. From Isaiah 40, verse 31. But those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. They will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. Thank you so much. Thank you, Karen. Don't you wonder how many children are still in church lost and founds? <laughs> Frank Degler. I'm Frank Degler, and uh, I gave my life to the Lord at age 14. And uh, I want to share a couple of verses that uh, I claim. Uh, first one is Proverbs 16, 9. In their hearts, humans plan their course, but the Lord establishes their steps. And also Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. My plan after high school was to, uh, to go to IU and uh, study education. The plan was the first year I would go to the Kokomo campus and then transfer my sophomore year to Bloomington. But for some reason, that plan changed, and uh, I don't really remember why it did, except the Lord's plan was that uh, I would meet Linda. And that worked out well. Uh, tomorrow we get to celebrate 52 years of marriage. But it wasn't all that, always that easy 
probably early in November of that, uh, that year, uh, I finally got uh, the courage to ask her out for the first time, knowing that uh, there was another guy that she had had some dates with. And uh, so anyway, I asked her and she said she'd go out. And uh, I think we just went to a campus dance. I remember her as being a uh, student at my high school, but we weren't involved in any activities together, so I didn't even know her name, actually. But I do recall one time, maybe a year or so before that, that we actually met in the hallway going opposite directions at an intersection of hallways, and we ran into each other. And so I look back on that now and thinking, you know, the Lord really has a sense of humor. Probably saying, you know, today Frank's going to meet his future wife. So anyway, at the end of that semester, uh, I transferred to Bloomington. And uh, so down there, I'm always thinking, who's she dating? Who's she seeing? And so for the next year and a half, for the better part of the time, I'm in Bloomington, she's in Kokomo, so our dating is kind of spread apart quite a bit. It was quite a while before I told her I was in love with her. And for the better part of three years, I prayed that the Lord would speak to her heart and uh, that she'd feel for me the way I felt for her. So graduation came, I had a job in Fort Wayne, She's still in Bloomington. On the third day of the school year, driving home to my apartment, I meet my parents driving out of the apartment complex, and I thought, you know, I've been away at school for most of four years. I've only been away from home for three days. Why are they coming to see me? <laughs> As it turned out, they had a letter from my draft board and uh, it said that I was supposed to uh, report for induction within about a few days. So I had to call my supervisor and I was embarrassed. What do I do? I'm here to teach, but my country needs me. And the school, uh, school officials said, uh, don't worry about it. We'll uh, contact your uh, draft board and we'll appeal it. And so they got an agreement with the draft board that I would be able to teach for a semester, which made it better for me, made it better for the school system. So we continue on. We get to the end of this semester. And by this time, I'm pretty depressed because I'm going to leave the job that I loved. Uh, I had to say goodbye to my students, goodbye to my staff and pack up my apartment and I moved back home for a few days and and uh, had a date with Linda that night and didn't know if that would be the last time I'd see her or not. And so um, when the evening came to a close, I asked her for the third time if she'd marry me, expecting I'd get the same answer I got before. And I had to ask her, what did you say? <laughs> she said, yes. <laughs> so anyway, uh, I go to Fort Knox for uh, basic training. And upon graduation, Linda and my parents come down. And we had a couple hours together. So we went into the chapel. And we knelt at the altar. <laughs> and prayed and uh, promised the Lord that if we were blessed with a family, they'd be raised in a uh, Christian home and a loving home. And he's been faithful to that. He gave us three kids that are walking with the Lord. They were all raised here at Broadway. And as an elder at that time, I was able to baptize all three of them. And one of my uh, greatest things um, 
that my home Baptist church allowed me as an elder here to baptize my father at age 85. Uh, so I, I head to uh, Fort Sill, Oklahoma to be trained as a fire direction controller for the artillery. And uh, they told us at the end of our eight weeks, we'd be heading to uh, Vietnam. So um, about two weeks into the training, uh, they said, now, if you volunteer for some uh, more training, uh, you'll be uh, have five more months of training and be uh, left here in the States for a while and then head to Vietnam. So I told Linda, I said, well, we're going to get two weeks leave after the eight weeks and uh, possibly we could get married then. And so she had six weeks to plan our wedding. <laughs> and then uh, we moved to an apartment in Oklahoma. And uh, she had already accepted a teaching position in Kokomo. So we had the summer together. And um, on the day that uh, she was about to leave, my parents came to visit and they were going to take her home. Our orders came for where we were going to be going uh, after the training was over and the, went down the list and there were no names going to Vietnam, um, either Korea, Germany, or stay in the States. And I got the best of deals, got to go to Germany. So she got to come and join me uh, a few months later, and uh, we ended up our time in Germany. Had wonderful friends that we met over there, and for many years we had yearly reunions with those friends from Germany. And we came to Broadway in May of 1974, and uh, all three of our kids were born here and baptized here, all serving the Lord, and uh, God has been faithful. He's been my protector. Uh, seven years ago, with a normal checkup with my doctor, he asked me if I ever had chest pains. I said, no, I never have chest pains. And for some reason, I recalled... But there was one time when I was trying to finish the yard before it rained, a little burn up in my shoulder up here. And he said, well, let's do a test. So I ended up having a heart cath, found out I had five blockages, and uh, had five back bypass surgery on a Friday. I went home from the hospital on a Monday. And so the Lord's been my provider, uh, my counselor, and uh, my protector. And I give him all praise. Thank you, Frank. <clears throat> it's been a blessing to hear these brothers and sisters, hasn't it? To hear their testimony, their witness of God's faithfulness, God's presence, God's love, God's sustaining power in their lives. We've heard that they have come to know God in amazing ways. And I just want to read from Hebrews chapter 10, 19 through 25. Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he consecrated for us through the veil that is his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with clean water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider one another in order to stir 
up love and good works, not forsaking the assemblies of our, uh, the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as we see the day approaching. In the few minutes we have, I have left, I just want to talk about knowing God a little bit more. Did you hear the inferences in the passage I just read of God inviting us, making it possible, opening the door for us to, to know him? He talks about uh, having boldness, that because of what Jesus did, we have boldness. Because of what Jesus did, we can draw near with a true heart. Because of what Jesus did, we have, can have full assurance of faith. Because of what Jesus did, we can be free from an evil conscience. We are invited to love the one who created all things, who flung galaxies into space and created oxygen molecules so we can breathe. We are invited to know him. That's amazing. One of my favorite passages is Jeremiah 9, 23 and 24. Let not the wise man glory in his wisdom, nor the strong man in his power, nor the rich man in his riches. But let him who glories glory in this, that he understands and knows me. That I am the Lord exercising loving kindness, justice and righteousness in the earth. For in these I delight, says the Lord. God allows us, he invites us to know him, and he lets us know what are the things that he delights in. As we grow together in our experience of knowing God, we grow in our one anotherness, don't we? But all too often, God, we are tempted to make God too small in our eyes. We often know a lot about God, especially if we've been raised in the church. We know the stories. We know the theology. We might say we have a biblical worldview, but do we really know him or do we just know about him? Knowing about him is a far cry from knowing him. We know this in our relationships, don't we? Our friendships. We, you might be asked, hey, do you know so-and-so? And you say, yeah, I know them. And maybe it's because you've met them or you've heard them speak or you've heard about them. You know about them, but you don't know. Most of our relationships are not very deep. We don't know them in a deeply relational way. Too many people who say they are believers, that's the description of their walk with Jesus. They don't experience a deep love for him or sense his presence or experience his amazing intentions for them. This is because, sadly, it's because we narrow God to who we want him to be. We put narrow constraints on him. We want to define him. We want to define what he can and can't do in our lives. We want God to conform to how we think he ought to be. Far too many people in these days especially, especially young people, are turning away from faith because they are bitter with God or disappointed. They are essentially demanding that God conforms to their terms, that he line up with their belief system, or they will refuse him altogether. And this is exactly what Satan wants to see happen. Micah 6.8 says, You have known, O man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you but to love justice, to, lo to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. We can be tempted to reject and even scoff at God and his word and the things we don't understand. But in reality, God is the faithful one. He is the eternal one, the indescribable one in his nature and character and being. The invitation to have a relationship with him, to know him, to walk with him, to understand him, it always stands. And it is enough. That should take our breath away. Jesus' disciples lived with him for three years. They saw amazing things that frequently confused and confounded them, and many times they did not understand what Jesus was saying or what he was about. One day, Jesus took Peter, James, and John to the mountain, and it's in Matthew 17, 1 through 8, we read, Now after six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John, his brother, and led them up on a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them. His face shone like, uh, and his clothes became as white as light. And behold, Moses and Elijah appeared to them, talking with them. Then Peter answered and said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, let us make here three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. 
While he was still speaking, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and suddenly a voice came out of the cloud, saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear him. And when the disciples heard it, they fell on their face, and they were greatly afraid. But Jesus came and touched them and said, Listen to this. Arise, do not be afraid. When they had lifted up their eyes, they saw no one but Jesus. Every now and then we hear Pastor Ryan and Pastor Sims talk about our place being the same as God's place. And we we talk about this as being a very thin, the thin space between us and God. Sometimes the presence of the Lord is strong here among us. And it's a thin space. This, Jesus being transfigured with Moses and Elijah was a very thin space for the disciples. This blew their minds. They were with the eternal one in the now. They were with the eternal now. They were with the perpetual presence of God. Tim Mackey is with the Bible Project. Many of you may be familiar with him. And and he has a, a really neat talk called Paradise Now by Tim Mackey, if you can look it up. And he talks about the eternal now being with us, that we we live with, we live in time and space, but God is eternal. And at every second, at any second, the eternal now is with us. Just think about that. Amazing. In our bulletin, there's a list of the names of God. And I trust that this time, this week, sometime this week, you'll, or through the week, you'll spend time with this list, looking at God's nature and character and his names and what they mean. In closing, today we've heard from people who walk with Christ, who have tested him, who have learned of him, and who know him. God calls each of us to himself to know him and to trust him and to stand up boldly, boldly as a witness of who he is in our lives wherever we are. May we who call ourselves Christ followers know God and make him known in every place. We want to join him in what he's doing so that he gets more glory and more people will worship Jesus, the lamb slain from the foundation of the earth. In Hosea 6, it says, So let us know and become personally acquainted with him. Let us press on to know and understand fully the greatness of the Lord and honor and heed and deeply cherish him. His appearing is as certain as the dawn and he will come to us like the... Heavy rain like the spring rain watering the earth. Let's pray. Father, we we are awed that you would invite us to know you. And Father, I thank you for those who we have heard this morning who have walked with you faithfully. They have proven you, Father. And they know and have tasted and seen that you are good. God, I, I ask that you... By you, you, Holy Spirit, would draw us to yourself to know you and to make that a priority in our lives so that, Father, in knowing you, we can express you to the world, to our wives, our husbands, our children, our community, the nations. Father, we want to know you, and we give you praise and thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.